You were doing hey, what, hey, what's up, everyone? This is Jason Tucker, and this is WP Water Cooler, episode number 312. Wow. Today's topic, we're going to be discussing uh, website performance and kind of all the different things that you need in order to be able to kind of make your website be performant. So let's go around the room real quick. Be performant. Yeah. See? Tell us a little about yourself. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just still trying to think about performance. Um, I'm Say. Do you say say? Me. Say. Say read. At say read media on all the things. I make WordPress, teach WordPress, preach WordPress. And I'm in a rocket booth. <laughs> it looks like you are. <laughs> awesome. Well, good to have you on as always say. Dan, how about you? Tell us about yourself. Yeah, I'm Dan Wormsley. I'm um, a partner's technical lead at Automatic. I work on a lot of different uh, partner integrations. Uh, in the past, I've worked on Jetpack and .com and stuff like that as well. Awesome. Good to have you on as always. John Hawkins. Wow, John Hawkins. It's been a little bit since we've seen you on the show. Tell us about yourself. I think I was last on episode three. Um, so I'm glad to be back. Wait, what? No. I'm just kidding. Just yeah. Completely okay. kidding. I'm, I'm also a smartass. <laughs> By default, smartass. Hello, I'm John Hawkins. Uh, you can find me pretty much anywhere at Vegas Geek. So VegasGeek.com and on all the socials. Awesome. Good to have you. Jonathan, tell us about yourself. Um, I, I'm basically like say, but a male version and I don't have a rocket ship um, <laughs> live in North Idaho and you can find my stuff on jonathanwold.com. Awesome. Good to have you. I'm Jason Tucker. You can find me at Jason Tucker on Twitter. My website is jasontucker.blog and I do this show as well as WP blab, which we do. We actually did that yesterday and it was really cool. We talked a lot, a lot about, um, uh, images with uh, social media and how you should uh, come up with uh, custom image sizes for social media shares and all those fun things and different tools you can use to do that and stuff. Um, but before we get into the show, this particular episode is brought to you by ServerPress, makers of desktop server. Feel free to go oh over to serverpress.com. <laughs> uh, hey, I'm a, I'm a huge fan <laughs> of ServerPress as well, and desktop server is just amazing. Yeah. So, they, so they're also the makers of WP SiteSync, which at this point is one of the only tools to really handle synchronization between sites, so big fan. Yep. Of mm-hmm. Yep. And absolutely amazing tool. I, I I love using it, and I love being able to quickly be able to build a website right on my computer. And, be able to and more it. importantly, good people. Good people. No Making joke. Making a good product. So it's like, yay. Awesome. Well, let's talk about performance. Um, website performance and how you can kind of make your site uh, be performant. You know, during our pre-show, we kind of have this, uh, for, for those of you, you know, at home that, that you know, have never actually been on the show, which you're more than welcome to come on our show whenever you like. Um, we kind of have this rule. It's the unwritten rule that is is constantly talked about, which is we don't talk about the show before the show. But we always talk about the show before the show. And <laughs> it, it just, it is what it is. So, you know, at, at one point we started talking a little bit about AMP. We started talking about, um, you know, image optimization. There was a whole bunch of these sorts of things that were happening. We're like, okay, what, what can we do to get all these pieces together to really talk about it? And what could we, you know, kind of, if we stuck a label on it, what would it be? And it's, you know, website performance. So where should people start in website performance? Like, what's the thing, like, what's a, what's a one kind of like broad stroke you can do that you're just like, wow, that fixed well, you know, a good chunk of it. I, I would like to go back even one step further and say like, why yeah. is web performance even important? What can you gain sure. 
Ooh. you know, by having web performance because That's I know that picture talk thinker. I like it. <laughs> well, because, because, you know, that there are some, depending on the device people are searching from Google might use it to rank your site. If you're looking at mobile and mobile performance, um, you know, that a lot of people say that uh, there's that famous Amazon statistic that like, if your pages load, you know, uh, X percent faster than your click-through rates go up because people feel like they can browse more fluidly around your site and find the products they're looking for. So, um, you know, what are some other sort of whys of uh, because people bounce, they bounce yeah. and they bounce real fast. Uh, that's what I talk to my small business clients about. They basically have that one moment if they're going, especially if they're going from search. If it's not a direct or recommended thing, if they're like finding them cold. Uh, and that site takes really, I don't, I don't know what the, but more than 10 seconds and they're gone. That's basically, you know, a good rule of thumb. And obviously it's less than that is better, but people will wait for like a couple beats and then they're gone and they're going back to that search results page and they're going to click something else. So. so I want to add to that too, because that's what we often focus on is the bouncing, which I completely agree with. There's also a lot of people will just put up with it because they really want the other thing, but they're having a bad experience. Because right. that's for the people who are coming directly or on a recommend, they yeah. might stay and then start judging you. And this is where a lot of businesses will just miss the opportunity because like, well, people are buying, right? right. And what you're missing is like, you're, you're creating friction that didn't need to be there. Yeah. Because you're having a sort of a, a poor performing site. So for me, like user experience is so much of what it's centric to. Like it's easy for us on like desktops and high performance, like internet connections. So if you, sometimes you'll notice issues even then, but it's like, if that's the case, what's it like on a mobile browser when someone's pulling this up? And a lot of people right. don't. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, just to start to delve a little bit into the sort of like what performance sort of looks like, you know, people often underestimate like they'll they'll do like a uh, i don't know like a simulation of the site using the chrome debugger on their desktop and they'll like put step through and sort of check the performance of their javascript or whatever Wait, what people when you say people people well, <laughs> that is not web, users <laughs> users are not no, doing that <laughs> uh, developers i should say you know okay. you're doing a performance pass through replication and you're like okay let, let's look for bottlenecks let's look for dropped frames or whatever you know in the chrome debugger and and they'll find that but but you you know, you, you end up not taking into account that on a mobile device, the CPU might be 10 times slower. Yeah. Even if you test it on your fancy new phone, the phones that your potential customers have are right. not fancy new phones necessarily. So right. I see a lot of folks who do, you know, mobile testing and they're testing, which they're like, oh, I'm being super thorough. And you're like, yeah, but what about the person who's on like, you know, their Blackberry or whatever. <laughs> yeah. That, that's actually a really good point. And it's something that I try to talk to anytime I'm talking with folks when they're talking about the, like, what their performance is going to be. I always try to say, well, you know, what's your target audience? Like if yeah. you're, if you're going after like cutting edge people who are going to be like having the latest phone, it's great. You can find let's, yeah. let's test against just that. But if your user base is still using windows 98, um, you better be testing for that too. And it's that it, it's so different. The, those two things. Understanding your target audience for your site is, is literally the most fundamental uh, mistake that people make, not understanding it, but understanding it can also be the best thing for your site. Because if you know that you don't have to, you know, focus on the other group of people, the other people right. will come along, but you, you right. do need to, you know, basically cater to your target audience. And if you don't know who that is, 
then you don't know who to cater to. And you're literally trying to make it work for everybody. And that's really, really, really hard. I, and I was just going to say, if you ask your client, who is your target audience? And their response is everybody just fire them as a client right now. You okay. But so for the record, so people much. still have to go to somebody. Okay. So in the trickle down, if you're a developer and you're like, you're fired because you don't know what you're doing. Um, you know, that then goes to the next person and the next person. So, you know, at some point, you know, maybe refer them to a business development specialist or the mm-hmm. small business development center. Right. I heard about this guy who's offering websites for Woodcoin, but that's a different. <laughs> so yeah, I, you got to you got to find your right the right web developer who will who will you know take your your payment options. Exactly. So one of the ways this topic came up in the pre-show is that uh, I think it was John was talking about like trying to make an optimization that that should have made things faster and it actually made things slower for you know whatever the people you cared about like i'm just interested in in when have we tried things the people on this call uh to make a site faster that should have worked but for circumstantial reasons made it much slower because i've done some sure. that. <laughs> yeah. so what are some what are some gotchas where it's like the conventional wisdom doesn't always apply hmm I mean, I, I can tell you that so many of the different things that we use these days, like do different sort of, uh, you know, you've got multiple, multiple layers of caching, right? So like if you're, uh, if you're on a decent host, they're probably doing some sort of a cache. And then if you're running your DNS through something like uh, Cloudflare, then there's a layer of cache in there. And so you've got all these different layers that are probably already doing some chunk of that for you and so you go and you make a change and then it's first off uh, i it's it's definitely not instant like you've got a i make a change and then i wait till like the next day before i even test because i want everything to have its time to run its course but so you can make a change and that that change if nothing else were in play may have been a benefit and may have increased your score but just because of the way the world works and your exact setup between all of the different pieces mm-hmm. of where you've got your site parts landed it just it, it works backwards and you're like um that should have fixed it. My combining of all of the JavaScript into one thing should have been a benefit. And yet here we are. It sucks. So yeah. I think that's my favorite thing about web development is that there are so many ways to fix the thing and the things that should work sometimes they don't work and you don't know why. And you kind of go do detective work. I just like and the combining of JavaScript <laughs> thing. Like, I, I know what I'm doing and I still don't understand this whole idea of combining JavaScript. Like right. I didn't write any of this JavaScript. I installed a bunch of willy nilly plugins that all may or may not be using JavaScript. Some may be inline, some be uh, a file that gets in, brought in. Some may be a file that's someplace else on a CDN and I'm supposed to combine all this stuff together and turn it into a thing. Yeah. It's that's so the- crazy. Like, you know, there's, um, yeah, like if you if you have and, and and whether or not it's worth combining JavaScript depends on you know whether how many of your assets you're serving from the origin and whether or not the um, origin is using HTTP two and whether or not they're gzipped and all this other and minified and uh, whether or not they do um, any operations within the JavaScript that will modify the DOM right like and that determines whether or not you want to load it in the header or the footer and it's like. Yeah. You know who? How? What percentage of WordPress site admins 
you know, would even be able to start focusing. Like, if you were to take this to a very simple thing, if you're going to go buy a car and you, but you weren't going to be able to, you weren't be able to, you weren't, you were not able to drive this thing beforehand, but you wanted to know like these creature comforts that are in there. So for instance, like if I'm in the passenger seat and I roll down the window, will it automatically roll down the window or do I have to continue to hold it down? And then when I roll up the window, do I have to hold the thing to roll it back up? Oh, like, that's mean, that's G zip right there. That's like that's like creature comfort that no one in a million years is gonna be like, oh, I was just curious, does this thing do a thing? No, 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 no. And then to top it off, the, the you know, the company who's making, you know, that's actually doing the hosting, that's one check mark that they have to turn on to turn on G zip. And if they yeah. turned it off on your server at one point, your website is no longer performant. Yeah. Actually that that brings me to sort of one of the earlier questions, which is like what what are some things that are almost guaranteed performance wins? Because there's actually like surprisingly yeah. few of them, like where you can just recommend it to anyone and just kind of pretty much have faith that their site will get faster if they haven't already done it. Like what, then one of them is Gzip, like I, that I've discovered. Like it really sounded like just, you said one of them is Jesus to me. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, Jesus made my site so much faster, but it's um, yeah, it's really hard to understand why or how. Whoa, what did the show do? Kind of miraculous. I didn't mean to do that. (laughs) I had this picture of loaves and it turned into a gif of fishes. I don't know. I I really do want to answer your question. I'm sorry. I I think image optimization, which we touched on pre-show, I mean, that's the one that users can handle. There's plugins that do it for you. Um, You know, there's Jetpack that will uh, help you with that. There's, you know, there's stuff. That's something that's doable when you're not trying to as opposed to like you know trying to minify dev files or whatever the hell yeah. you're doing over here like most most wordpress admins most wordpress users you know are either you know building assembling a site with all these pre you know built-in things the people who are doing the crazy optimization stuff like that the, the like tiny optimization things and doing the little second stuff those are people who are you know managing big sites and agencies and stuff and that's not necessarily your typical WordPress user. Right. Um, so I would, I, I think that that's actually more broadly helpful um, yeah. image optimization and things like that, as opposed to saying, you know, minify your CSS. And I yeah. was like, uh, uh, what? a while back yeah. I had found this blog post that was talking about how uh, like the idea of getting your site to a, to a score of 100 on the speed index thing. And which, you know, there's a um, diminishing returns as you, after you get to a certain point. There's uh, the amount of effort that you have to put in to actually get those last couple. Um, but I, I did it on my site, on VegasGeek.com. I did it, I went through it, and I spent like two weekends just going and fixing every stupid little thing that I could until mm. I got to that score. And Those I did it like fun totally- weekends. I, here's the thing. I did it solely for the purpose of, you know, I get people who come to me and they're like, Hey, my site scope, can you help me? And how much was, how much is that going to cost? How much time is that going to take? And the answer is how long is a piece of string? Because (laughs) you never know. And so I, I knew that if I didn't actually go through the process and find all of those pain points, but here's the thing. I found all of the pain points for VegasGeek.com that have nothing to do with your website oh, and, and that, your hosting. That is, that is the kicker because all of, and th- honestly, that's right. the kicker about the WordPress and env- like world ecosystem in general, everything's so bespoke and unique. And there's people out there offering this, 
blanket advice and then people are trying to apply it to their site and they're like that didn't work you know or their host is the problem like you know that that's a big deal right like if you go to that speed test thing first chunk is like just time to load like the site's like not even like coming up before you know that might be a big one that you could offer to people too it's not easy it's not a a quick fix but it's it can help has anyone here used a plugin called Aut Optimize? Yep. Aut. Aut Optimize. So I think it's called Aut Optimize, but basically it's like it does some sort of compression stuff out of the box. But the business model is really interesting, where they say, um, you know, if you want to go further than what we can do automatically, uh, then pay us like ninety nine dollars per page or five hundred dollars for your whole site, and we'll like do that like per site optimization, which can get you to um, you know, can get you the, over that less that last sort of ten or twenty percent of performance hurdle because that they'll do stuff like they'll come up with the um, what they call critical CSS where you inject some CSS into the header of the page. Um, they'll put move some JavaScript sort of statically into the top of the page because if you want to get that sort of like instant loading where like your whole page is like visible on the screen in like under half a second, basically the the, the trick is HTML. Get, well, it's, yeah, it's to, what's to get <laughs> to get all of the information needed to render above the fold for the, the first paint above the fold into I think it's four kilobytes of data. So wow. basically, you move the just the CSS needed to re- render the stuff above the fold, and just the JavaScript needed or whatever to like render it, and 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 it just sort of kind of tries to push everything up into the head, and then the rest of the page almost doesn't matter because usually it takes the user a second or two to actually start scrolling. And so if you're loading stuff below the fold, like who cares? Or if you're loading their, higher their quality impression images, of the site is already that it's loaded quickly. Right. So if the stuff below the fold doesn't load quickly, in their minds, it's already a quickly loading site. Yeah. So they've already well, made that. Luckily, the fold doesn't move. You know, it's always the well, same spot on every device. So. Is it, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say... <laughs> It's a, good thing that, it's a good thing that we all browse the web on the same size device with the same number of pixels. <laughs> but uh, remember, I mean, Facebook made that change kind of a, a while back to where when you very first load up the page, you would get like instantly you'd get like the blue bar across the top right. and you get the sidebar in the other and everything would be kind of like this gray that was kind of like floating as it was loading. So it was like a super instant background yeah. GIF that was loading for no, you know, no space basically. And then, Oh, by the way, and it didn't even matter if they were in the right shape. They were just like, Oh, they were just going to be this big when it gets here. Well, no, actually it's this big, but you do, you get that super instant gratification of, Oh, okay. The page is loading rather than like, say was talking about earlier, you get that friction and frustration of the dude, your page is just killing me. So yeah, yeah, I think it's a huge benefit. I will say also, hot tip, there's an NPM module and tool called Critical, or it's called Critical CSS, or it's called Critical, but you can basically point it at a URL and tell it the screen size, and it'll generate the Critical CSS for that screen size in that page, and you can inject it into the header. Wow. Oh, there are so many cool Wow, that's tools. cool. Why? Why are there so many? Like, <laughs> why is there no comprehensive list of all the cool tools that there are? Um, I... Uh, uh, one of the things I was thinking about when you were talking about the loading and like the preloading, John, <clears throat> is that, you know, in Twitter and Instagram and even in Facebook, they actually use the, um, the loading time as a, uh, a, a, I don't know, some brain chemical, probably serotonin, mm-hmm. uh, as a brain chemical, like kind of teaser, right? Like coming from, from gaming, uh, 
what I've read about it is that it's like kind of from gambling, right? That you pull a thing and then you wait and you're like, what am I going to get? So it's really interesting from a, a Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, social perspective that that is something that is like we want, you want the user to wait. You want them to like be anticipatory about that. You want them to experience whatever that brain sensation is, which is not the case on website where we're just like, show them the site right now. Um, mm. Maybe having the header uh, or something pop up kind of engages that where you're like, oh, there's something. And it like, you're now you're waiting because you're now yeah. you're hooked as opposed to just a blank screen. But I do think that's interesting that they all do that and they don't have to do that. They, they, they put that in manually on the socials that, that kind of pull down and wait. So I wonder what that. Where that's that interesting. Yeah. I, I don't, yeah, I didn't know about that. That's really interesting. Um, I'll yeah, link an article in the show notes. That sounds yeah, good. That, yeah. That's really cool. So we yeah. did, we we did want to talk about we did want to touch on on AMP at some point because I know that a lot of people um, oh they, there are criticisms of AMP obviously but a lot of people see it as a pretty interesting toolkit for kind of guaranteeing a certain level of performance. Um, who here has sort of used AMP in a production setting and and had experience with that? <laughs> I have. <laughs> I have not. Um, a lot of, uh, Jonathan's talked a lot about it because. Were you working with Google on that? Yes, yes, yes. Previously at XWP. I've um, had quite a few, like I, I've been building a lot of sites over the past couple of weeks and been experimenting with AMP. Uh, the biggest issue right now is just the speed of deployment because not a whole lot of themes support AMP native out of the box. So that's, but that's starting to happen. Like I was super happy to see that the the Astra theme announced yesterday that they have support for AMP native out of the box and I've been talking with a few different theme authors who are working on bringing it to, to their theme. So it's pretty exciting for me. Like the default themes all support it like 2019, et cetera. Um, but Does 2019 uh, even need AMP. Like let's just be real for a second. It's like uh, the it, most it down theme that there yeah. ever was. I swear this theme is like lightning. You're just like, boom. Yeah. like before you request it, it serves it to you. It's like actually yeah. a psychic theme. <laughs> No, it makes it faster. It is faster with with. AMP. I don't know how it could be faster. What yeah. perception of time are we using here? Um, the big, the big thing, not to get overly technical with it, but it's like how it handles CSS. So with AMP, um, using like tree shaking, you have less total CSS on the page than 2019 does by default. So you have the same effect. It looks great, but it's only loading the CSS that it actually needs. So it's just it's just a smaller footprint. So, which is actually tree shaking is not a thing that's unique to AMP. In theory, you could minimize your CSS using that effect outside of AMP. It's just a lot more challenging in environments where anything could happen. Like outside of AMP, like you know, job you could insert something like you you can't really do it predictably. Whereas in AMP, because it's very, uh, I'm going to probably butcher the explanation, but like like the DOMs are predefined. It's you're right. you're able to kind of control. It, it's it makes more sense to be able to do things like right. tree shaking. Has has anyone played with uh, there's a version of Chrome or Chromium I should say so someone at Google made a branch of Chromium where they basically implemented the AMP limitations globally so like any wow. web page you go to um, if it loads more than 50k of CSS the browser just like stops loading CSS like and if it try and it what like, does um, look like it makes it very very fast <laughs> like yeah like it um, I can't remember the exact list of optimizations but they look very similar to the limitations that you have with with amp so it's just strict 
Yeah, it, it strips stuff out and it also defers execution of as much JavaScript as possible and like tries to avoid, if I'm doing this from memory, so I'm not completely sure about this, but tries to avoid the, the sort of bottle, the bottlenecks where like certain JavaScript operations will prevent um, rendering from continuing until all the CSS is downloaded or whatever. It tries to just like eliminate all that. And wow. so it throws away a lot of the, some of the guarantees and brings in some new limitations, but it makes everything super fast. And it's an interesting thought experiment anyway. It's like, what if the whole web worked like AMP? How many pages would actually be usable? Isn't that what everyone, <clears throat> everyone who's in AMP right now is like really talking about? Like, that's what we talked about. Everyone's like, can it just be the whole web? The whole thing? <laughs> like what, what, no one needs all this all this image and stuff. Like we're gonna look back on these these years as like the web 2.0 years or whatever era yeah. we're in these days as like just like oh, the yeah. Rococo of like like <laughs> the, the Versailles era of web development. And now we're going into like postmodern like lines <laughs> and like, you know, nothing. Well like, I mean what I think would be so interesting is is not if everyone uses AMP, which I don't I don't think that would necessarily be a healthy thing i don't think everyone should use any one thing uh, on the web because its strength is in is in that diversity but um is if amp sites shift people's expectations so that on mm-hmm. mobile you can't afford to load much slower than an amp page would load and however you choose to make it faster is up to you but um like you know that we sort of set the user expectations at a certain level and it makes us pay attention to things we weren't paying attention to before because i think it's been really easy. It'll, you know, if, we, if, if you're using a, a, a Retina Mac on broadband in the United States, uh, it's really easy to make a website that is like total garbage to somebody who's on a cheaper device on a slower network in another country, like with high latency and whatever. So I just want 5G and 6G internet that, that's being promised by our government. <laughs> yes. <laughs> just have to figure out how to build those technologies. So that right, like that's that's you know what? Yeah. So this is funny, right? Like, so there's a lot of futuristicness, futurism, futuristness. Yeah. Uh, in this, well, in the developer world, let's be real. Uh, everyone's like, screw this technology. What's next? Um, but you know, you guys are talking about like what's the next web and all this stuff, and it's like, you know, the people that were that are using the internet are not there, and obviously, you y'all have to like you know, lead the way. And I obviously that's, that's super important for getting us there. But I think sometimes it becomes really disconnected from where everybody else is. Like even with the 5G thing, like everyone's like, oh, 5G. And then like, if that gets into the consciousness, people are like, oh, 5G is happening. Like they know about it, it's aware, but doesn't even exist yet. Like it's not even there. And like, there's this, there's this gap of knowledge, gap of like reality between what we're talking about in what could be possible, you know, and then what yeah. is actually possible. I feel sometimes like we're like making predictions about hoverboards, like in back to the back to school, like everyone's like, well, I guess we don't have our hoverboard yet. Yeah. Well, I, I, I mean, it's, I think, I think there is a danger in just sort of hoping future technologies are a panacea, but I also think there's an equal and opposite force, which is people jumping on the new hot thing before thinking about how it affects mobile users. So it's like, some of that futurism actually turns into a performance deficit, right? Where it's like, we're going to make our whole thing a restful, like rich client app or whatever. And then like the upfront loading cost is like two and a half minutes, but you never see it because on your develop- development machine, it's one second. Um, or you go down that route and then that technology doesn't pan out and right. you, know, you have to restructure the whole thing again. I, I, you know, that happens also. Mm-hmm. 
I have a question for all y'all. Uh, what, how, what percentage of this uh, micro, you know, you were talking about the law of diminishing returns, John. Um, like, so how much of this, like, we got to get the seconds down, we got to get these microseconds. How much of that is dev geekery to like really want to get those microsecond loadings down? And how much of it is even perceivable by humans? Like everyone's I mean, like literally talking about microseconds and what like flip, you know? So I have, I have thoughts on that as well, which again, this really goes back to what your target audience is and who's coming to your site and what your site does. If you are selling products and you are, uh, if you're an impulse buy type product, then yeah, it, it matters. You want that because going back to the Amazon thing, like every second, every extra second it takes to load is like, I think it's like 12% drop off of people who are going to buy. So that's big. But if you're a blog and you know, you, you just write these big posts with a lot of images and they just take a little while to load. I don't think that's the end of the world. And I don't think you need to chase that hundred percent unless you're a nerd. Um, But the people that are coming to your coming to get the information that you have, I don't think they're bouncing as quick just because the page took an extra five seconds to load. Right. It, it should be pointed out that lazy images is the other, like just speaking of blogs with lots of images, lazy image loading, which is, is also built into Jetpack. Um, but I think it's coming to Chrome as well, like as a browser native thing does like massively improve performance across the board. Like there is almost no downside to doing lazy image loading. I mean, and that also, that helps with users because users, you know, are loading things up or whatever. And if you have lazy load, even if they load something with images, it, it doesn't impact it in, in the exact same way. So it allows them to, to be a little less perfect. Mm-hmm. Not that any of our, the users are perfect. Let's be real. Yeah. Be realistic about that. Mm-hmm. But we are perfect because it is 1130 and uh, that's the end of the show. I want to say thank you very much for all of you folks for coming and talking about uh, performance on the web. It's really cool. And I, I, I've, I know that we've talked about these things in the past and this stuff changes all the time. And so every microsecond, every <laughs> microsecond. I also so, yeah. I pop, I pop that psychological uh, uh, link in there so y'all can read Perfect. I'll make, I'll please. make sure to add that in the show notes. Thank you all for uh, hanging out with us and make sure you uh, go over to our website at dprcore.com slash subscribe where you can learn to subscribe to this content. If you want to be involved in this, the show, there's links on the website where you can go and uh, sign up to get on our mailing list. And on Thursdays, I I send out an email saying, hey, who wants to come on the show? Feel free to come on the show. Talk to y'all later. Have a good one. Bye. Great performance, everyone. Great performance. Mm. Uh.